This right. is an eight iron, and it's a dead shank. Wow. Way right. Oh, Takes a, a hop off the path. You gotta be kidding me. Very tough pitch shot right here. You gotta hit it into the hill. One hop up and bite, and it's in. Kind of like that. Well, I would like to welcome the founder and CEO of Link Soul Apparel Company and, of course, the iconic brand of uh, Ashworth clothing that he started, uh, Mr. John Ashworth, to the Sub-70 podcast. Uh, John, thanks for taking the time today. I really, really uh, look forward to the conversation. Thanks, Jason. Nice to be here. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing really well, actually. So, yeah, this is uh, this is fun for me. I, uh, you know, I'm supposed to be, uh, you know, ask the questions and sort of be the journalistic part of this, but uh, it's very cool for me since I wore Ashworth clothing in the late 80s and 90s when I played college golf and high school golf, and it's uh, it's very cool to have you on the podcast and, uh, knowing for how many years I wore that uh, brand of clothing and uh, definitely wear some of the Link Soul stuff now. So this is very, very cool for me to be able to do this today, so I really appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. It's good to be here, and I'm glad you uh, I'm glad you enjoyed uh your threads way back then in the old days and hopefully now in the new days. I, I, I've been a long-time uh, customer of the stuff and have like just always always connected to the brands that you started. So we'll, we'll get into it, but but like I said, it's very cool for me on a personal level to be talking to the founder of the, the clothes when I really started getting into golf in high school that I was wearing. So And um, like I said, still wearing your stuff today. So like I said, this is cool. Um First thing I was going to ask you is, how is your golf game these days? How often do you get to play? And uh, when you are playing, is it is it mainly at the GOAT? Is that where we can find you on a Friday afternoon playing some golf? Yeah, it's mostly at the GOAT, although, you know, I travel a bit and, and uh, take, take my sticks whenever I can. I, uh, I've i played a lot of golf this year, man. I've, I've played a lot. Of, I've, I've kind of got, re, not rededicated, but I've got into just playing more. And uh, really into it, and I look at it, you know, I look at it as a practice, much like I guess yoga is for people. And I do a little bit of yoga, but I sort of make golf my practice in terms of like, you know, just staying in shape, staying fit. You know, I mean, it's this never-ending, freaking maniacal game that you can never get to the end of anyway, right? But. Uh, Anyway, I uh, I enjoy it, and I try to play a lot of it, and I try, actually, I don't care so much about getting better. I just feel like if I, if I use it sort of as a sharpening stone for, for myself, and if I, and I enjoy it, then, you know, that's what I do, you know? Well, with uh, the trips you've been taking and playing a little bit more, is there a few courses that you went to recently that you've just fallen in love with, or... Uh, any of the great ones that uh, you've gotten to play lately that you know you can give us a little bit of a field report about? Oh yeah, uh, yeah. Most of these I had kind of played before, lucky enough. But uh, I would say, I mean, my my shoot, my road of this year, man, has been. Um, uh, I'd say started, you know, in my neighborhood, which is Oceanside, Carlsbad. You know, Avier is a really really nice track. Um, it's in Carlsbad. Of course, it played Torrey North and then the Goat in our neck of the woods. Those are kind of the three courses I would play. And then um, 
I was able to play uh, in Matt Janela's little tournament he throws up at Bandon Dunes. And, you know, I'm sure you've probably been. Have you been to Bandon? I have not done the Bandon trip yet, no. It's on the uh, list. Um, you got to put it on the list, yeah. Um, so did that one. And uh, I really love, uh, I love them all, but uh, Bandon Trails has really turned into this, just magical spot for me. I just love it. Um, and then uh, went over to Ireland and played Waterville and La Hinch, which are both amazing courses. Uh, played in a tournament, father and son tournament at, at Waterville with my son Max. And uh, we just had an absolute ball. Um, so that was a real highlight for the summer. And then um, played uh, Forest Highlands in Michigan, which is kind of, you're, where, where are you located? I'm in Jason? Sycamore, Illinois, so I'm, I'm, I'm in that Midwest region, yeah. so yeah, that's a good one. So, so that's, that's not far from you. Have you played that one? I've, I've not played that golf course, but we've done uh, the Acadia Bluffs kind of up that side of it a little bit, so I've not been up. I, I'm, I keep going out to the Sand Hills of Nebraska when I have the when I have the time off, I wind up like heading out west to play Dismal River or Sand Hills in that area. That's that's kind of like my default to go decompress from the world for a couple right. of days. So I've been going out there quite a bit, but not as much as up in Wisconsin or uh, Michigan the last couple of years. But I mean, some great tracks in the Midwest right now. Oh my God, yeah, the really good ones. And put that on the list, man. It's really good. Um, they got that loop course, which you can play backwards and forwards, and it just kind of blows your mind. And then, uh, in the original Forest, you know, Forest Dunes, um, the Weisskopf course is really a good course. And, uh, they just put in a part three, which is done by Keith, uh, uh Riley and Reb, you know, the guys that fixed up Winter Park Nine. Yeah, yeah. Really, 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 uh, really, really good guys. In good eyes, sharp eyes. That'll be a lot of fun. I played the uh, Weisskopf one up there, which I agree with you was great. Like I, I did that one seven okay. or eight years ago. That was fantastic. Oh, cool. Yeah. But anyway, um, trying to think where else have I been? Whistling Straits, which was you know we had a, uh, a Link Soul LS two man tournament. We do these tournaments. We did like four of them this year. They're really cool. We call them LS two man. So it's usually it's a two man format. You know, best ball, and then uh, sometimes it's we change it up a little bit. Like we're having one up in Pronghorn, and there's actually a couple of spots left. If any of your listeners out there, I don't know if this if this is live or not, but no, uh, but we'll have it up next day. So be within a day or two. Okay. So so it's uh, up in Pronghorn, up in Oregon. Beautiful Fazio and Nicholas courses, and uh, that that one's going to be a, uh, a match play format. So you know, where you play. Have you played that thing where you play nine whole matches in a flight, six other teams? No, but but like on a lot of golf trips, we'll do nine whole matches and kind of you know flip the teams up, which makes it kind of a fun day because you can go out and kind of switch the teams. I love that format where you can kind of do it on nine. Yeah, it's a great idea. It's a great format because you get to meet a lot of guys, and, and it's you know these it's kind of like a fast break match. You know, you got you got you can't mess around, man. It's game on, you know, from the start. And uh, and uh, anyway, we have a lot of fun with that. So we're doing that format 
which would be cool. I think we have 43 teams. No, 45 teams. So we need three more teams to make it a full field. So we got 48 teams. So, uh, and that way there's, I think, six teams in a, in a, in eight flights. And then at the end, you, uh, all the flight winners, and I think there's some wild cards, uh, get into the horse race. And then that's an alternate shot, which is the eventual winner of the whole, the whole nine yards. So, did you uh, happen to play Crystal Downs when you were up in Michigan? Did you get across the state on the other side? Uh, uh, no, I feel bad. I, I, I've yet to make it up. I, I hear nothing but amazing stuff about it. I, I've yet to make it out there, though. Well, you'll have to you have to come back to Midwest between, like I said, Wisconsin, and then what we have in Chicagoland with you know Chicago Golf Club and Shore Acres, and there's so much great golf history around here. You could definitely do the Wisconsin Illinois Michigan loop and make a good you know four or five day trip out of it, not even come close to seeing everything. So, yeah, we're getting some pretty good golf around this area. We definitely are. Yeah, that's cool. You guys deserve it. Well, I was going to ask you um, about Goat Hill Park, and I love what you did with bringing that back to life and, and the vibe you have out there. I haven't played it yet, but just, you know, it, it would be a place I know I would love to play and sort of what you guys are doing, you know, with it and what you've achieved. What sort of was, uh, for the listeners, the history of the course, and how did you get involved, and how did you have this vision for, you know, what this little golf course could really prosper and turn into? Well, it's just, it was kind of like this perfect storm of a lot of stuff going on. I mean, obviously, I've been in golf my whole life, and actually, you know, uh, got my degree in agronomy, so I've kind of had my interest in, you know, turf grass management, like golf course design and stuff like that. I never went that direction, but I, but I have a background in that. And then I grew up in the area, so about 20... 20 minutes from the golf course and it wasn't my home course or anything, but it was built in 1952 and it was a nine hole course. But in the seventies, I used to play it as a junior and like in high school against the other, you know, the high school team from that area. So I knew it pretty good. And then, you know, fast forward, you know, whatever, 40, 30 years later, whatever it is. And then, um, Link Soul now is on the Coast Highway in Oceanside, California, and uh, me and my, you know, my nephew is my is my co-founder uh, Jeff Cunningham, and a bunch of buddies. We'd play up there because it was like, you know, at one point it got turned into an eighteen-hole short course. It went from a, a nine-hole par thirty-six regulation to a redesign into a par 65, uh, you know, short course, which is kind of unusual. But the course was usually, the greens were always okay. The course was in shitty shape, but the greens were okay. And then, and then all of a sudden, it started really going downhill 2008, 2009. And there, um, oh, no, sorry. Take that back. 2010, 2011, and the city just quit giving the guy any money to take care of it. It just really went downhill. We had a drought, and anyway, long story short, it was in the shambles. And I really think they wanted to get rid of it because it's 
it's literally sitting on about a hundred million dollar piece of property, seventy five acres with an ocean view in Southern California. So you know, it's it's a nice piece of land, and they put an RFP out to the community development community, hoping that somebody would come and go, hey, you know, and they did get a bunch of developers that came in with plans and. And sort of on a lark and last minute, we put a plan in just to fix it up and make it the home of the North County Junior Golf and, you know, make it a, keep it a green space for people to, you know, go enjoy and yada, yada, yada. Any, anyway, the whole community got behind us. We ended up winning the RFP process. And then it was sort of like, oh, shit, what do we do now? <laughs> now you got to bring, right, now your you reputation's know? on the line yeah. to make this work, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's kind of like, oh my god. Um, but we sort of hung in there, persevered. We got really lucky. A couple of couple of really lucky breaks went our way, and, and you know, here we are five years later. The course is in pretty good shape. We've had a couple big events out there. We, our play has increased every year. It's now my whole goal is to make it sustainable. And make it a place that you know everyone can enjoy, and um, it, it's the home of the North County Junior Golf. We started a caddy academy last two years. That's grown. We got you know this really cool nonprofit caddy academy in place. Um, we uh, you know we kind of we kind of re rethought the whole process. So I mean we you know we don't have a dress code. We welcome dogs. We play music around the clubhouse. Um, we have disc golf. Um, you know, we're pretty much, you know, people respect uh, the integrity of the game and the etiquette, but I think, I think in today's world, you really got to make it welcoming so that people don't feel, you know, intimidated or, you know, uh, out of place. I mean, I'm talking, I'm talking to everybody, but especially beginners and and you know, you, you know, we just it's that it's a development course like that, and it's been really super fun. We built this little three hole kids course called the playground, which is on about an acre of land, and every you know the three holes are probably forty. It's a little loop of three. They go around in a circle. They're like forty. 40 yards to 50 yards long, and it's literally built for a, a four- or five-year-old kid uh, to go out there and have fun. And, and that's been – it's been hugely, like, successful in terms of just people are stoked to be out there, you know. Yeah, and it – yeah, I was going to say, it makes sense, right? I think what you're – you know, especially to get people to not be intimidated and some of the architecture that happened in the 90s where the golf courses got harder and force carries and deep bunkers, and I've talked about this on the podcast, and, you know, it's so much different than yeah. like the little golf course I grew up on, which was a nine-holer, and you could run everything up, right? It's it, it was fun. It wasn't overly difficult. I think we may have lost our way a little bit in bringing back, you know, a par 65 and having some holes for kids to go out and, yeah, you know, even where we play most of the time, if the guys are 15 under, they want to listen to music and have fun on a, on a men's night, even on a private club. It, it, society's kind of going that way of, of, you know, enjoying yourself and maybe not as formal. And there's, you know, some clubs that are formal and they should be. 
Um, but there's also a spot for where I think what you're kind of doing over at the GOAT, and I think it's great to get people, especially so their golf is hard enough, I always say, you know, to not have it where they can't make a few pars and it's not intimidating, right? I mean, that's, I love that idea of what you guys are doing there. Yeah. Yeah, it's been great. Uh, I know you lived in Scotland, and the way they sort of play golf and view golf and how golf is involved in the community where they live, did that sort of influence as well as sort of what you did with the GOAT? Oh, yeah, huge, huge influence. Um, yeah, they they make it really, you know, just the hub of the community. And, you know, you go to these – I lived in a little village between Gullen and North Berwick called Durlton. But basically, I was a member of Gullen. I don't know if you've ever been there or not, but it's pretty well known. Yeah. Um, it's right next door to Muirfield. But anyway, yeah, they have kids' courses there, which I just, that's the first time I really saw that, you know. I'm sure they were around, but there's a little kids' course in Gullen, there's one in North Berwick, and, you know, and it's just, it's just so welcoming, you know. And a um, chance for kids to learn, you know, just to be comfortable on a golf course and not be intimidated, I think, is a huge factor. Um and then also to get to be out there with their parents or their grandparents and, you know, sort of learn learn the etiquette of the game and, and uh, you know, all those little intricacies that if you play golf for a while, you kind of take for granted. But it's there's a lot of there's a lot that goes to it, you know, with it. So it's uh, it's nice to have that sort of training ground, I guess. Um, and then Scotland too. When I first started going over there, like in the early '90s, you know, you would it would you'd be hard pressed to even see a golf cart. I mean, every once in a while there would be one that was a handicap for handicapped people at a golf course, but they didn't have fleets of cars. You know, it was just like didn't have them. I mean, you just you were walking no matter what. And I personally love to walk. I think that's that's what the game's all about. And um, and so I mean we have golf carts at the go, but it's super hilly and it's not, it's not an easy walk. I, I walk all the time, but I tell people it's like you're it's like a perfect versa climber. You know, you're going up and down, you're getting a workout, but you're playing golf. So what's wrong with that? You know. Hey everyone, it's Jason at the Sub Seventy Podcast. Wanted to let you know that later in the podcast, uh, John Ashworth is kind enough to be putting out a coupon for 25% off any purchase on Link Soul Golf Apparel. Um, more than generous of John to do so, so listen for that later. You'll get the coupon code. Hope you guys can use it. And also from the Sub-70 equipment side, what we do, uh, some exciting news that the 699 Iron, which has been our most popular this year, will also be available in a pro version with a reduced offset thinner top line, same face technology, uh, but for a little bit better player who wants a little bit more flight control. This is the cool part of being in the, the factory direct model that we're talking to our customers all the time. And this is something that we heard over and over that uh, the customers potentially wanted to see. So we're bringing it to market a few months away, but it's kind of exciting for us from that standpoint. 699 irons are in stock and selling well, along with the 699 utility iron. Of course, if you guys need uh, help with anything from a fitting standpoint or questions about the equipment, uh, myself or Jay or any of the staff is always happy to help you. Thanks again for the support and hope you're enjoying the podcast. Thanks again. 
how else is golf viewed different when you you know when you're not over there on a Scottish golf trip when you're actually living over there? Like, what else did you take of how they view golf different than we kind of view it over here? And is there a part or two besides it being more family oriented? Is there is there a couple other maybe more nuanced things that you learned when you were over there that you really admire and enjoy about you know golf in Scotland or maybe Ireland or I've been fortunate enough just to do the Southern England trip, which was also great, and I saw the same thing you did with you know play rye and you know, dogs are on the course and the holes are close together so you can walk it easier. I mean, I love the vibe of the Southern England yeah. trip. Is there parts that when right. you live there, you sort of really picked up on as well that kind of has stuck with you or you really admire about how they view it? Yeah, I, I would say there's such a, uh, there's such a good knowledge of everyone because the villages aren't very big, right? I mean, guys, you'll have a Gullens probably, you know, 3,000 people and there's three golf courses, you know, plus a kids course. So it's like, you know, North Eric, there's two golf courses. There can't be any more than 2,500 people. And, and so, you know, everyone plays really. I mean, it's, I mean, I, I would, I wouldn't think not many, there's not many people that don't at least have a knowledge of, you know, the game and, and, um, you know, they use it as recreation and, and uh, you know, you could go into the butcher shop and, you know, the guy's going to know that, you know, who, who, who won the, who won the monthly medal and, you know, just stuff like that. It's just so part of the culture that, you know, it's, I just love that. I mean, it's just like, it's like, it's like golf the way it really should be, I guess. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. It's just crazy. I love that part of it. The fact that, you know, you're walking down the street and the, the, the lady that works at the bakery thing, she's coming in for nine and, you know, going to work or something, you know, taking her, rolling her pull cart into the shop. And you just see stuff like that. It's crazy. Yeah, I like I said, I got to experience a little bit in southern England, but the, it's also like the hospitality of the people. You know, we're playing one course, and some member we don't know from Rye, which is, you know, great and it's iconic, you know, invited us to go play the next day over there, right? And it's like no big deal. They're just happy to show it off in this great, iconic Lynx yeah. golf course. And they really have a – it's a, kind of a, a vibe where it's very welcoming. That's what I at least saw in southern England. I'm sure Scotland's the same way. I I love their culture of golf over there. It's uh, – I definitely got to get the Scotland trip in at some point, so it's definitely on my list. Um, other tracks you played over there, was there any other golf courses, just architecturally that, um, you know, maybe not the obvious ones of uh, the old course, which, you know, everyone says once you learn a little bit is great. Was there any other that really stood out to you when you were living over there and had time to kind of travel and play? Um, trying to think. I mean, played all the ones on the – East Lothian coastline, because that's where I was. So, I mean, Dunbar, which is up around the corner, that's that's kind of a sleeper good one. Um, of course, all the way up to north, I mean, uh, Dornick and Nairn, those are, those are pretty fun. Um, shoot. Did you play Muirfield when you were over there? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Muirfield, I played that a bunch. That, that's one of my favorite golf courses uh for sure i mean it's it's such a beautiful uh 
it's just such a perfect routing in terms of the holes and the drive. It's such a great driving course for a links course. It's very elegant. Like a lot of links courses you play, they're kind of rough and tumble, and you, you get up on a tee and you go, Jesus, where the hell do I go, you know? I mean, there's maybe one of the, like, number one's kind of like that, but after that, it's like, it's kind of at, it's telling you, okay, you kind of want to go this way, and you got to just step up and hit, you know, a draw or a cut off this bunker, off that bunker, you know. It, you know, it's, it's, it's right in front of you, and if you hit it good, man, it feels so good because you got to hit, you know, you got to hit it in the spots. Um, anyway, I love Mirfield for sure. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Sub 70 podcast. Just wanted to jump in and give out a 25% off promo code, which John was nice enough to offer to our listeners. The promo code, which can be used at linksoul.com, is sub. 7025 SUB 7025 Thanks to John and everybody over at Linksoul. I also uh know, you know, when you started playing you became a really good amateur player and and, and quite accomplished. Was there ever thoughts from your side of actually trying to play golf professionally for a living or trying the mini tour side of it or anything like that? You know, maybe when I was 12 and 13, but <laughs> it kind of disappeared when I I played in college at Arizona in, like, late 70s, early 80s. And, uh, you know, so, you know, you go, and I was pretty average. You know, I was like, I had a couple good tournaments and stuff. But, you know, you're playing against these guys like Fred Couples, and all of a sudden, you know, he's just, you know, 10, un- 10 under, 12 under, whatever, and I'm trying to scratch par and, I, I knew real quick, I, I just, I don't have that. There's, I think there's guys that have have what it takes to do that whole thing. I I was far from that, and uh, so I didn't really have ambition to do that. I wanted to stay around the game, which is why I got my degree in agronomy. Uh, I didn't think I was, at that point, I didn't think I'd be in the clothing side of things, which is kind of crazy. But then you caddied out there as well, and and what was that experience like in the 1980s? I mean, the PJ Tour was such a, a different beast back then. I'd have to, you know, from how big it was and to what we have now, and not as formal, and a few more characters and some homemade golf swings. What was that whole, you know, traveling circus oh, yeah. back in the day? Yeah, that was pretty fun, man, really. It was pretty great. It was, uh, yeah, it wasn't so cookie-cutter. I mean, it seemed like a big deal. I mean, it was still a big deal at the time. I mean, you're on the tour, you know. It was like traveling around with the Ringling Brothers and Barnum and Bailey Circus, you know. Every week you go to a new town, the circus is in town, you know. So it's, it, was a, it was still a big deal. But, yeah, you did have a lot more homemade golf games. It wasn't so – it wasn't such a technology thing. I mean, it was back when they used precision woods and, you know, and, and uh, so – Courses weren't as you know long and and uh, but uh, but it was still I don't know it was still cool. It was a lot of personalities and I, I really enjoyed it. I'll tell you that I, I I spent one year doing it and uh, and I really had a blast. Um, of course, I slept out of my car half the time because my man wasn't doing that good, but but it was still fun. 
Well, that's part of the journey, right? Like that's that's the war story that all you know. We talk to guys who play the mini tour, or have had caddies on the podcast. Like that's the it's the journey yeah. of it, right? Like every you know, got to go through some of those little hardships when you're out on tour. I always say like the. Jordan Spieths of the world are the anomaly. Most of the guys have to grind it up, including their caddies going with those guys. And um, yeah, yeah. Said so many characters. Like, were there some guys you got to know quite well when you were out there, or who would you like back in that day? Who'd you love to watch play? Well, yeah, love their talent and all well, that stuff. Well, one one cool story was you know the guy that I caddied for. I, I grew up I grew up playing junior golf with, and we were buddies. We're still buddies. Mark Weeby. I don't know yeah. if you remember. Sure. He's out there forever. So, so we, uh, yeah, I was, I wasn't, uh, it was 1984, and uh, I was just, I was out of college, but I didn't have a clue what I wanted to do. And he's like, hey, why don't you come caddy for me? I Back then, they used to have Q school two times a year. I don't know if you remember that or not, but we used to have it twice a year, Q school. It was before even, I don't know, it was definitely before the web.com thing, right? So anyway... Um, I said, sure, I'm not doing anything. So we went out, went to tour school, got his card, finished about 20th or something, which that was a whole other experience. But he was he was good. He had played on the mini tours with Payne Stewart, and they became good friends. And so Payne had already had his card. He'd been out there a year or two. And so Mark gets his card. We go out. We start playing practice rounds with Payne because they were buddies. So I got to be good buddies with Payne, you know. And, um, on the West Coast, at least that year, we probably played four or five practice rounds, went out to dinner a few times, and we got to be pretty good pals for that, you know. And um, and then I went back to Florida and at the Honda, and Mark wasn't in the tournament, and he had, I think he'd made one cut to that point, and I was, like, on fumes. I had, like, you know, 30 bucks in my pocket or something, and... Um, I mean, back then you could actually go to a tournament as a caddy and maybe pick up a bag, right? It wasn't like everybody had their own caddy back then. So, or maybe it was a Monday qualifier that didn't have a caddy or whatever. So, anyway, I was kind of, I was sort of in the parking lot at the Honda kind of trying to hawk a bag on a on a Tuesday. And up comes Payne, walking by, and he goes, hey, Ash, what are you doing here? Mark's. I didn't think Mark was playing. I go, oh, yeah, he's not playing. I'm just looking for a bag. And he goes, where are you staying? And I was like, ah, probably my car, man. I, you know, I'm kind of low, and you know, but that's cool. And and he goes, um, he goes, man, come stay with me. My wife's not here. I got a, I got a room. Yeah, I got two beds in it. Come stay with me for the week. So here I am. This, you know. 24-year-old kid and Payne Stewart's offering to put me up in his hotel room for the week, which he did. You know, took me out to dinner every night. I didn't get it back, so I probably, I think I went and watched him play or whatever, but just stuff like that would come up, and that was one of them that I always remember because he was such a great guy. I mean, such a loss that he, you know, passed away. Was it kind of one of those things too, where like the community kind of took care of its community back then, in the sense that you know you were respected, yeah, you were a we beat, right? Like it's just a tight, it's like a fraternity. I'd have to imagine at some point, you know, in the yeah. sense of how you guys. I mean, like I said, you're traveling together, you get to know each other. Um, yeah, yeah, and talk to some guys who really. That's that's a tough one. Like he was supposed to, you know, 
met him when I was in high school, caddying at the Western Open stuff, but he's supposed to, supposed to have been a really good man in a class act, and a lot of people I've talked to liked him very, very much. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome guy. Well, then you're out there, and then you're caddying, and how does this crazy idea that you're going to kind of redefine golf clothing from, from that period, like how, how did you get from I'm watching the fashion – I have an idea. Let's launch this, and we're going to be quite a bit different than anybody else doing it in the golf arena at that point in time. Well, it was back in, uh, you know, '86, I believe. Mark Mark Weeby's uh, sponsor was this guy from Denver named Jerry Montiel, and he and I became good friends. And he was a really successful business guy, and. Um, you know, he he. I, I, you know, I think I was at the point where I was like, you know, I was only I'm only going to do this one year. I don't want to be a lifetime caddy guy. It was it was a different time. Like, you know, I mean, today's world is. Let's say if he was, you know, making some money, I probably would have thought totally differently than that. But I was sort of like, I need to go figure out what else I'm going to do. And Jerry was starting a new business, uh, and he asked me to come work for him, which I did. And, and I moved to Denver, and um, it was a, I was a buyer and a merchandiser at a, at a, at a big sporting goods company and a sporting goods store, and I actually was buying the golf gear. So I, the second part was seeing what everybody else was doing, right? So um, unfortunately for him, the economy sucked at the time, and, and he decided to it wasn't happening for him, so he decided to close his stores. And he asked me if, if he said if, you, if I if I stayed on with him and help him go through this process, that we'll figure out another business to start. I'm like, okay. So so we got to talk, and he said, well, what what would you do if you could if you could do anything if if you started something new, what would it be? And I said, well, I just think there's a real need for an op different option for clothing for golfers. It's like there's not anything out there that I would want to wear as a, as a guy my age, 26, 27 years old. Um, you know, unconscious of what I wanted to wear. And, and he, he thought bingo, man. That's, he kind of, he wasn't much, he played golf a little bit, but he, you know, he's a pretty smart business guy and he's just like, boy, that's a good idea. So, we didn't really know what we were doing, but sort of we raised a little bit of money and off. I moved to L.A. to try to figure things out, and uh, he stayed back in Denver and was sort of like uh, on the operational finance side. And um, before you knew it, we had a sample line, and I was out trying to schlep it. And uh, it's tougher to do that in today's world, again, because back then, you know, it was more of a cottage industry. It was like there wasn't any Nikes or Adidas's or Under Armour's or Polo even. Or it was just smaller companies that were, you know, true golf companies. And I, um, I remember those companies. Yes, yeah. yeah. I mean, just that they, yeah. they just did golf clothes. That was it, right? Arias and all yeah. those companies yeah, just Arias, did their little niche. Yeah, yeah. So that's what happened, and I think our deal was so different, and then Fred Couples, everybody loved, of course, and, uh, you know, and then we had John Cook and Ernie Els, and we had a good, 
we've got a good stable of guys that we're, we're good guys and, and, you know, they looked good. And, uh, and, you know, and it was just, it wasn't as quite competitive. And, uh, so it was just good timing to be honest with you. How did the Freddie thing come about? Because this is just my opinion. I mean, that was like the most brilliant move ever at that point in time because he just seemed to encapsulate the the Ashworth brand of that era in the late 80s, early 90s, and he was just like the perfect guy for that. Did, did, did it just sort of happen, or did you also see that this this golfer with the the way he moved and the way he looked and the way he just sort of carried himself, that this could be the like most perfect fit? Because what I think you guys first did, I don't know if it was by design, but you guys had the first like lifestyle brand more than just golf clothes, meaning... Yeah. When I was 18 or 19, I would wear the Ashworth shirt, you know, to golf. And then I would also wear it out on a Friday night. It, it crossed over. Yeah. It became a lifestyle brand. Like, how did the, the Freddie move is first part. Then part two is how did you, whenever no one else was doing it, was it was it by design that it became a lifestyle brand? Or did people just start wearing the stuff that you noticed outside the golf course? Yeah, no, that was, kind of, was sort of, I mean, that was definitely by design, um, you know, to be a, golf-inspired, you know, lifestyle brand, which is really, I mean, Link Soul is just an evolution of that, you know, mm -hmm. to be honest with you. It, it's, it's just an evolution of design, you know, uh, where we're at right now, what we feel is can cross over. Like, our stuff doesn't look like it's, you know, made for golf, but yet you can wear it playing golf, you know? I mean, so, but the Fred thing was, uh, you know, again, I played the same time in college. We're actually the same age, born the same month, same year, everything. So, um, and I didn't know him in college, but I remember playing in tournaments, and I never even played with him in college, but I remember seeing him, like, across, the, like, on a different hole and kind of going, who is that guy? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, he's about as cool as it gets. Even back then, he'd have his shirt untucked. He was the way he walked down the fairway with his bag, and then you'd see him hit it. You go, "Holy shit!" Yeah, you know. So I, I just always kind of back, it just stuck in my head. And then being on tour, of course, caddy, and I'd see him on tour, and I got, to, I met him a couple times. I got to know him a little bit enough to approach him. You know, when we when we started our thing, you know, I was like to my partner, I go, well, we need a couple guys, and if I was going to pick two guys, if I was going to pick one guy, it would be Fred Couples. But I think you need Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, so if I was going to pick two guys, I'm going to pick Fred Couples and John Cook. Mm -hmm. And so I just went and talked to him and kind of gave him, we ended up giving him a, you know, a little equity in the company and, you know, over the years, bonus plans and all this kind of stuff. And, and, uh, yeah, no, it was, it was perfect. It was absolutely perfect. And then with Link Soul, how did, how did that come about? And like you said, sort of a continuation of, of that thought process of a lifestyle brand beyond just golf. But, you know, what, 
what inspired you to say, okay, I want to do this again and I want to do this take on it? And, and you know, what do you think really makes Link Soul uh, different from the other, you know, clothing lifestyle companies that are sort of out there competing in your arena? Um, I just feel like, again, like an evolution, like I enjoy, you know, this is my craft to make clothing, you know, and, um, and I've come to really enjoy it. I, I, I like the process. I like being creative. Uh, you know, people need clothes, which is cool. And, um, and so, you know, I, it's kind of a really long story, but the whole Ashworth thing I thought was going to come back. You know, I left the company in 97 and then I was, I was asked to come back in 2007 and, and it was just a shambles really. Um, and it kind of lost its way from a design point of view, from the energy and just a lot of, it just got sort of really corporate and stiff and anyway, so I just came back as a consultant and checked it out. I thought, wow, this is really, this is really a nightmare. You know, I don't know quite what to do, but started to dig in to try to dig it out. And, um, and then Taylor made Adidas bought it. I don't know mm-hmm. if you remember that, but I do, but yeah, but, and then that, that didn't really help things out to be honest with you. I mean, they, they even said, hey, John, you know, here's your office, but you don't even have to come to work, which was kind of weird, you know. I was like, what? So they ended up paying me pretty good to not do anything for about a year, and then I couldn't deal with it anymore. So I started, uh, you know, brainstorming, thinking, you know, God, there's still, there's still a need for good stuff out there. I mean, it's, it's either you look like a Teletubby, you know, bright blue pants, white belt, weird shirt, you know. I mean, I still can't believe the stuff that guys wear to play golf on the tour. And I don't know how they can feel good because they just look silly to me. Um, so I just feel like there's a way to, you know, to wear clothing that doesn't have to feel like that. And, and, um, and it can go a lot of different, you know, guys that are amateur golfers. I don't, I don't, I personally don't know who would want to go. Oh, I'm going to put my golf uniform on today when I, cause I'm going to golf one day a week. It's like, no, I want to make stuff that people are going to wear. Oh, I can actually wear that to work. If I have a casual workplace, you know, if I don't have to put a suit and tie on. I can wear a link sole to work which is really cool. And then if I'm at work and somebody goes, hey, hey, let's get off and go play nine holes, boom. I don't have to do anything. I'm I'm in. You know, I'm going to go play nine holes. So that's kind of like what the way I think about it is um, I want clothes to be very transitional, very comfortable, um, can go many places. You know, sure, we can make specific clothing for, you know, weather and stuff like that. But um, it should be able to, it should be able to have a lot of uses. I love it. You know what um, I mean? Thousand percent. That's that's like I said, I was all in in you know 1990 from that standpoint of the stuff crossing over. Uh, is there ever a chance since the brand is? Um, it's shelved right now for Ashworth. Do you ever see where uh, Soul and Ashworth could? 
reform and kind of niche that into what you're doing now at some point in time? Uh, unfortunately, I don't think so, but I don't know. I mean, you never know. I, I always felt like I would come back around to it, but they just sold it to the company in, in, that owns it in Asia, so I don't know what they're going to do over here. If, if, or if nothing, they might not do anything. They might just take it and go to Asia with it. But, um, uh, but I'm pretty pretty happy with Link Soul. It's fun to do. I'm doing a, my like I said, I'm doing it with my nephew and my brother's involved, and uh, you know, so my one of my sisters is involved. So it's 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 a small company, but it's. It's going the right direction, and, and we make a lot of really good stuff. Last one I got for you. How has Link Soul changed since you started Link Soul in, in, in the evolution of the brand, and what are you most excited about for the next, say, you know, one year, three year, five year going forward with the brand? Like, what what are you still most, in, in you know, inspired by to see happen, or what are you most excited about of where you think you can take this? Well, the very cool thing about um, about today's world is the fact that, you know, I, I can develop a relationship right and direct with with people. I, you know, it, that didn't, the, uh, you know, the Internet didn't exist back in the Ashworth days, right? So, I mean, there was only one way to do business, which was, uh, you know, to sell wholesale and then, you know, and all that. So it's been very cool this time around to be able to, you know, sell what we make direct to consumers. So it's, you know, you can develop that relationship with them, which has been great. So I'm excited about that and exploring that and getting better at doing that. And then the cloning thing, I just, you know, like I said, I really love the process and I've been working on, I love the textile part of it and trying to come up with great fabrics and, you know, are easy to care and they're comfortable and they're lightweight. And I've been working on a group of, of new fabrics that are um, really sustainable. So it's 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 organic cotton blended with the recycled polyester. So so it's um, you know I think in today's world you got to be very mindful of you know your whole effect on the planet and. Uh, and I think that the th- some of the things we're working on that you'll see in about a year are going to be great. I mean, they still they still feel and they wear and they look amazing, but they're you know they're a lot better for for the environment, which is great. It's exciting stuff. Um, very very cool. Like I said, this is uh, this was this was one podcast I was so looking forward to for. Could talk to you a little bit, and like I said, you uh, you uh, definitely dressed me for a lot of years, and continue to do so into my forties. So, uh, very very cool. And uh, you know, looking back, you kind of changed the way people wear golf clothes and are continuing to do it today. So it's a great story. Thanks so much for your time. I truly enjoyed this, and um, I know what you're saying about getting to know the customers. What you know, same thing we're doing at Sub Seventy of kind of having that relationship and it's it is a wonderful way to do business to be able to have that relationship with the people who are using your stuff and and and, and admire you know and, and liking the brand that you're wearing and hopefully you have that connection with them and you're definitely doing that with 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 link soul and, and i think that's what resonates with the brand so 
love what you're doing. Keep doing it. And uh, like I said, thank you so much for your time today. I really, really appreciate it. Yeah, Jason, I enjoyed it, man. Thanks a bunch. Good luck. All the best to you. And if you're ever out, if you're ever on the West Coast, man, you got to come play Goat Hill Park. Well, it's, uh, I, I, yeah, yeah, I would love to do it. I might, I got little people at home still, so my traveling is still, I'm a couple years away, I think, from, from being able to kind of travel a little bit more, but it's definitely, uh, it's definitely on my list to go out there and see it and play it. And, uh, for sure, if I'm, uh, if I'm heading out to that area, I'll definitely hit you up and would love to, uh, would love to play it with you out there and kind of take it all in. It would be fantastic. Hi, right, buddy. You take care of yourself, right? Thanks, John. Appreciate it. Okay. Cheers.